Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Well, thank you again to Serena for being here this morning and sharing her testimony with us. I pray and hope that you send her a word or a note of encouragement or you cheer her from your couch right now because she is amazing. And I love her story of redemption and just how willing she is to share that with us. So thank you to Serena for doing that. You know, this week as uh, Serena and I were talking over the phone, kind of preparing and getting organized to come in here um, she's been talking about how difficult it is with the state of us being on lockdown and being isolated in our, into our homes about how difficult that is for addicts, especially. And even two weeks ago when, when all of the coronavirus stuff began here and we, we start seeing that we were going to have to be, uh, stay at home and shut in. She talked about that. She lifted them up in prayer requests, those who are struggling with addiction. And so, um, I talked to her this week, and thankfully she updated, and she said that the, the AA meetings that she's been a part of, the meetings and the people that she's helping has been really good and really rich, and she said that she has connected more in the past week than she ever has before with some of her, uh, some of the people that uh, she's helping support in and through this because of technology and Zoom, and so we're thankful for this to be able to do that. And then this week has been the same for me as I have had Zoom meetings and video conferencing meetings this week with different people, and so on Thursday, it was a day full of that, and, and I have three kids, and they're all at home, and my beautiful, wonderful, talented, intelligent bride is doing a great job of helping our kids stay engaged with their schoolwork and continue learning. And then I am reserved to our house to bounce from room to room to stay out of their way so I can still get work done. And so a lot of my video conference meetings have been outside in our front yard. And so on Thursday, I was wearing this T-shirt. I don't know. I felt like this was more casual and it was more appropriate. So I was wearing this T-shirt that was, it was a thrift store shirt that was, I didn't even buy it. Somebody, Melissa Godfrey's 20-year-old son bought this. It's like this tie-dye. It has this rainbow with this rooster that's painting the rainbow. And it's kind of this, I don't know, it's this awesome shirt. But he bought it from Goodwill, and he didn't think he could wear it. And so he was giving it back to Goodwill, and I snagged it from him. And so I was wearing that on Thursday, and I had all these Zoom meetings. And then I get to the end of the day, and the last Zoom meeting I had was with three of my college buddies, three guys that I was closest with in college. And as soon as we started our video meeting, they're like, dude, what is on your shirt? I'm like, it's a rooster. It's a rainbow. What are you talking about? And so they teased me over the shirt, and then I felt insecure because I felt like all day, I don't know if you've been in any of these meetings, but you're like looking at people's houses in the background. I felt like the whole day, maybe people were making fun of my shirt. So if that was you, please forgive me for this. But as I reflected on that, I feel like, um, despite all those things, just the, the ability that we've had to be able to connect with one another uh, on our phone and on our computers and online has truly been a gift. And that what the Lord is doing right now in his church and not just the vessel and not just the church here in Round Rock in Texas, but around the world is giving us a huge opportunity. I mean, right now, uh, our, our messages are not going out to just those that are in the room, but it's going to far beyond that. Like the amount of clicks and the amount of views and participation that we had last week was really amazing. And so I just want to say thank you, church, 
for being so active. I am not someone that's typically active on social media, and so I know what that's like to have to exercise that muscle. Or maybe you're someone that struggled with social media in the past, and you've tried to move away from that because it, that's been unhealthy for you, or comparison, or judgment, or whatever it is. But I, I want to say thank you for participating in what we're doing. And so with that said, this morning, uh, I mentioned when I, Serena and I were talking about the story of Zacchaeus, and that's where we're going to be this morning in Luke chapter 19. And so typically how I prepare messages and how I teach messages on Sunday morning, I don't think there's a rhyme or reason. This is what works for me. I'm not saying it is correct or that others should do it this way. But really what I do is I focus on a piece of scripture. Uh, I really just spend a lot of time that week praying through uh, and, and reading about it and just trying to hear the Lord and what he's saying. And then I try to take some things out of that scripture that I feel like he's saying for us, for Vessel Collective Church, specifically to us. And, um, and then at the end, I try to have application points. And really the spirit of that is so that if you're there on Sunday or you're here now, that you can walk away with something to do, even if that's one thing, even if it's super simple, but you've heard this, this truth that's really powerful for your life. And so our, the heart of the application is to take that away and to walk out and be able to do something immediately and to respond. And so I'm going to do things differently this morning is I'm going to start with the application first, with the end in mind. And so normally I save this for the end, and this is going to make sense. It may not make sense to you now, but I think throughout our story as we read about Zacchaeus this morning, it is going to make sense. And so our application this morning and what I want you to do is to invite someone to participate in church at home. Church at Home is, is our effort to continue to disciple and lead and pastor our church um, with what's going on in the world around us. And so I want to encourage you right now to take a moment to invite someone. Like if you're watching on Facebook or you're viewing this later on YouTube to share this message and share this morning with someone is that, that now more than ever, the church has an opportunity to put the gospel in front of many, as so many people. And as Serena said, there's something powerful and comforting about being in your own home. Is that if you're like, um, if you're like Serena, that, that really honestly had no desire uh, and no interest in being in relationship with Jesus or pursuing the Lord and thought that in her words, it was hokey, that now we have an opportunity to share this with our neighbors and our friends and our families and, and our coworkers that might not walk into the doors of a church, but might click on a button and watch a message. And so right now, I just want you to communicate that to them, to share this, to invite them. You can do like a watch party. Uh, so you can do that and however you can. I want to encourage you. The application of today is to invite someone to participate in our church at home. So before we jump in uh, to our message this morning, Luke chapter 19, I'm going to pray um, and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Dear Jesus, we thank you for church at home. We thank you that we gather now across our city, across our community, across our neighborhoods, across the state of Texas, around the world right now, and we gather in your name and as your word promises that you are in our midst. And so... I just pray right now, Jesus, for your spirit to invade our homes and invade our hearts and that you fall on us, uh, God, with the heavy hand of peace right now as there's so much going on in the world around us and there's so much that we're consuming that is fearful, that is scary, that, is, uh, that gives us anxiety and, and we don't do well with unknown. And so I just pray, Jesus, as we open your word, as your word said, is, scripture is God-breathed. 
that your word is living and alive and anointed and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so would, would, would peace just fall on our hearts right now? God, would you use this time and use these words that I've, I, I speak and, and, and the words from your scripture and the message that's prepared to speak directly to our hearts? God, so we invite you into that. We pray these things in your name. Amen. And so uh, we've been in this, this series that we started last Sunday called The Last Days. And I know that feels very apocalyptic uh, series, but I promise you we planned uh, this series months ago. And it is not about the apocalypse or about end times. It is about the final days of Jesus' life. As we are moving into Easter, uh, we're looking at uh, Luke and, and, and this, the gospel according to Luke and, and how Luke begins to record this shift in Jesus. And so kind of beginning in Luke chapter 18, the time has come and it says this, it says, uh, Jesus took the 12 aside and he told them, we're going up to Jerusalem. Jesus is telling them exactly what's going to happen. This is the third time he's predicted his own death. And he's telling them point blank, black and white. There's no, there's no, um, he's, he's not using a story. He's not using an analogy. He's telling them what's going to happen. He says that we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. In verse 34 of chapter 18 says the disciples did not understand any of this. So we see in this moment, this is Jesus's shift from focusing on his earthly ministry, the ministry where he was doing miracles, where he was proclaiming the good news, where he was telling people that the kingdom of heaven is near and is coming, where he was teaching with parables, when he was doing all these things. And in this moment, he turns away from this earthly ministry and he begins to move towards his eternal ministry, which is the cross. He begins this journey from Galilee to Jerusalem where he was going to be murdered on a cross. And so that's what we mean by last days, not this apocalyptic um, uh, look at Revelation or anything like that. But I do, I mean, I know that there's a lot of feeling around us. I went to the supermarket, not the supermarket, that sounds old school. I went to HEB, right? We're all in Texas. I went to HEB today for the first time since all the pandemic stuff has happened. Doesn't mean my wife hasn't been to HEB. That's just not typically fall within my realm of responsibility. So I went this morning to get communion stuff for us. And so I went to HEB and um, I went in. And so our HEB in Round Rock, is it's under construction. So they've got like, they've got drywall and they've got exposed wires and they've got plastic up. The floors are, the, the tiles all torn up. And so here's these, these police officers that are out front, their lights are on and they're filing people in. And then you go inside and it's all, you know, mid construction. And then there's a guy in HEB and I guess he didn't have a mask. And so he has like a do rag that's tied behind his waist like he's a bandit. And it's, it's a skull and crossbones on his face. I'm like, this is seriously out of some sort of movie that here I am. And this guy's about to take me down and I'm in this grocery store, but it was fine. We got all our, all of our communion elements, but that is not what this is about. This is a look at the last days of Jesus Christ. So in Luke 19, we talked last week about Jesus's interaction with Bartimaeus, as Mark chapter 10 tells us his name. And he's, he's this blind beggar on the side of the road that cries out to Jesus as he's going by. And he, he begs him, he says, Jesus, son of David, this messianic term, he says, have mercy on me. And Jesus goes to him and he says, what do you want me to do to you? What do you want me to do for you? 
And he says, Lord, I want to see. And he received sight and he began to follow Jesus. And so um, that has just happened. It's this beautiful story of, of how Jesus freely gives mercy. It's not earned, it's not deserved, but he freely gives it away. And so then at the very beginning of 19, we see the story of Zacchaeus. And so um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read through it. This is a story that likely most of us know. If you've ever been in vacation Bible school, Sunday school, anything like that, you have likely heard the story of Zacchaeus. And poor old Zacchaeus, he gets made fun of a lot for his uh, short stature. I think there's a song that calls him a wee little man. That is mean. Right? The Bible says he's short in stature, and then we have a kid song that says he's a wee little man. And that poor guy, he just gets beat up on. And so um, in, in Luke chapter 19, verses um, 1 through 10, say this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho. Now, Jericho is this ancient city. As we read last week, this is where Jesus is passing through Jericho. It lies right smack dab in the middle between Galilee and Jerusalem where he's going. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And so already we know a lot about who Zacchaeus is in this scripture. We know that um, we know his name, obviously, and his name literally means the pure one, right? That's what Zacchaeus means, the pure one. But we also find out that he is the chief tax collector. He's not just a tax collector, but he is the chief tax collector. He's the only one in scripture that we find that title. And so if you know anything about tax collectors in this time, they are the lowest of the low when it comes to how they are viewed by uh, the people. And these are God's people, and Zacchaeus is God's people. But in a lot of ways, they see him as this betrayer. He works for Rome. He is this tax collector. He is getting wealthy. He says that Zacchaeus is wealthy. He's getting wealthy off taking advantage of them and their taxes. And so there's a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And I love this idea is that here's Zacchaeus in this tree and Jesus looks right at him and he calls him by name. There's no evidence that they've ever met. The evidence here is clearly that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was and Jesus looks up to him, he reaches his body, looks up to him, and he calls him by name. And Zacchaeus' name means pure one. And I guarantee you that the people around him, the people in that community, the people there in Jericho, did not see Zacchaeus as the pure one, like his namesake was given. And in John chapter 10, I love that Jesus calls him by name. And I love, in, in Serena's testimony, when she talked about her being loved and accepted for who she was, and that that's what Jesus did for her. I believe that that's what the Lord is doing here for Zacchaeus. In John chapter 10, when Jesus is teaching about being the good shepherd, he says this, as the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. The sheep listen to the voice of the good shepherd. He doesn't stand behind them. He doesn't lead the sheep or drive the sheep out of fear, but he stands ahead of them and he calls them. And the sheep listen to his voice. And listen to this. It says he calls his own sheep by name. That every single sheep he calls to him by name. And I love that he looks up into this tree. He sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. 
Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will buy back, I will pay back four times the amount. This is more than was expected. This was more than he would have been judged to do in court if he was found guilty of cheating these people. This is above and beyond. This is 400% payback. And this is the generosity of Zacchaeus in this moment. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. In verse 10, as we read before, and Serena mentioned, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so I want us, as this morning, as we look into this scripture and we look in the story of Zacchaeus, I want us to think about our own lives and I want us to look at this interaction that Jesus has with him. And I want us to consider a couple things. First and foremost, I want you to think about what is it that you can learn from Zacchaeus. Here is this man that's hated, that's not liked, He's the chief tax collector. He's short, um, and, and he's this outcast of society. The world despises him and hates him, yet not Jesus. And so I want you to think first and foremost, what can we learn about from Zacchaeus when it comes to our interaction and how we look at the Lord? And then secondly, I want us to see what the Lord sees in Zacchaeus, and I want to challenge you to put yourself in that place. And I want you to think about what does the Lord see in you? If he looks at you, climbed in the tree, trying to get a look at who he is, what does he see in you? So the first thing that I think is important that we learn from Zacchaeus and that's important about him is that he wanted to see. Is it first and foremost, Zacchaeus wanted to see. And it wasn't that he just wanted to see and get a look at Jesus and to lay eyes on him. But scripture says in verse three, you see, he wanted to see who Jesus was. There's not a word that is wasted in scripture. So the the scripture doesn't say he wanted to see Jesus, period. It said that he wanted to see who Jesus was. And it wasn't just so he could get a better view. It wasn't just so he could get above the crowd and so he could say, I've laid eyes on him. But he truly desired to see who, who Jesus was. Undoubtedly, he had heard about him being called the son of David, the Messiah, the Christ that was promised for so long. And so Zacchaeus wanted to see. And so I think that through all of this, this pandemic and the things that are going, going on around us, and in a lot of ways for the modern Christian cultured church, it has challenged our paradigm of what gathering is, of what church is, of what Sunday morning is. And it's turned that on its head. And I think that the Lord's using that to expose stuff in us. Because I think for us, a lot of times, we're fine with just seeing Jesus. But it's more than that. It's wanting to truly see who he is. And we're completely satisfied with sitting in the stands and sitting back and just getting a view of him as he goes by. But do we really engage in seeing who Christ was? We all have a story of a, a famous such and such person that we've met. Right At some time in our life, we can say, I met so-and-so, or I met this famous person, and we tell that story like somehow it's a badge of honor that we have been in the same place at the same time as someone who is famous. And so mine is, I held open a door for Robert Ory one time. Ironically enough, I stood beside Warren Moon in a buffet line, and I filled my plate with whatever Warren Moon filled his plate with because I thought, man, he, I was like 12. But he's a quarterback, he's of the Oilers, I can just, yeah, I'll be strong and like him. 
And here I am, strong like him. So it's perfect. So I stood beside Warren Moon at Buffet Line. I had Hakeem Olajuwon one time threw a Sharpie and hit me in the forehead. I don't know why all my interactions are with Houston sports figures, but they are. But we all have those stories about seeing someone and laying eyes on them. But the truth is we don't know who they are. I don't know who Warren Moon is. I may know how he fills a plate at a buffet line, but I don't know truly who Warren Moon is. I don't know Robert Ory. I don't know Hakeem Olajuwon. And so I have a, I have a stepbrother that is somewhat considered famous and well-known. If I told you his name, you would know him. And so I have a famous family member by extension as a stepbrother. And so any time that that would come up or, or people would find out that I'm related to this person, they will always ask me, people will always ask, like, oh man, what is he like? Tell me about him. Because he's your stepbrother. You must know him. But the truth is, I don't know him. Our parents got married after we were both college age adults. Um, and so we didn't grow up together. So I don't know who he is. But just the idea and the thought, when I say I had, this person is my stepbrother, people assume that I know him. And what people want to know is they want to know what that person is like. And that is what Zacchaeus wanted to do. And I think that it's interesting that Jesus, man, he, he just nails him in the tree. And like Jesus is the worst small talker in the world. Like he's probably terrible at a party. If you want to small talk to someone, Jesus is not your guy. He doesn't do small talk well. And the Lord sees straight past all of our outer, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of how the world sees. And he sees straight to our hearts. And God sees who we truly are. And he, God sees our desire. And what he saw in Zacchaeus is he saw someone who desired to see who he truly was. It's the same way as he saw David, King David, who was a man. Jesus didn't see him as an adulterer, as a failure, as the ruddy younger brother of the litter. The Lord didn't see him as a murderer, but the Lord saw him as a man after God's own heart. And what the Lord saw in King David was a king. And he saw royalty. And that's what he sees in us. And I think that's important that we learn here in Zacchaeus, that it wasn't because Zacchaeus was wealthy. It wasn't for any sort of reputation he had, but Jesus saw straight through and saw to his heart. The second thing that's important about Zacchaeus is that he got into position. Is that not only did he truly want to see who Jesus was, but he got into position. Uh, verse three says, but because he was short, and that is what we all know of to be true about Zacchaeus. That's what makes his story memorable. He is this short man. Um, says that because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, Jesus ran ahead, climbed a tree, and he got into position to see the Lord. And, and, and so it's important to understand that he couldn't see, that there was, there was something that was literally physically in his way from seeing Jesus Christ. He had a shortcoming, literally, he had a shortcoming. He was short. Uh, and this limitation in his life presented him, pre prevented him from seeing Christ truly. Um, but Zacchaeus wasn't satisfied with that. He didn't just stay there. He didn't lean in, say, well, I'm short. I can't see him. I'm in the back. Oh, well. That he got in position, he made a change to be able to see him. You know, uh, speaking of the ability to connect with one another, last week I kind of challenged everyone to find someone and ask them their story. And I all suggested that you should text Gary Gall. I don't know if he got 100 texts this week with people trying to ask him his story. Uh, but I had the opportunity to do that, not with Gary, but with uh, one of the men, a couple of the men that are in our small group. 
And so we gathered just the men on video conferencing and we shared our story. And, and you know, like you get in life, you, you get in relationship with people and you, you know their story and you hear bits and pieces here and there. But man, to sit down with someone and, and to, to hear them put it all together, like Serena did here, it gives this beautiful picture of who people truly are. And so one of the guys in my small group, I mean, I've known him for years, and he shared a story. And it was a story similar to this, is that he had things in his life and things that happened, particularly within the church, that he had church baggage, and there was a lot of, um, he experienced a lot of judgment, a lot of fear-based salvation, and all these terrible things and uh, that made him reject church. But the truth was, is he didn't lean into that. He didn't stay satisfied with his limitation, but he moved in a position. He worked his way through that to be able to truly see who Jesus was. So he got into position. So I want you to consider in your own life, what are the limitations what are your shortcomings? What are those things that are in your way that are preventing you from seeing Christ, from seeing who Jesus really was? It, it could be, like Serena shared, addiction. It could be pain and hurt that you've experienced from the church uh, as a child, recently as an adult. It could be your own pride and, and your reputation and not being willing to step out from behind that to see who you truly are in the eyes of Jesus Christ, to let the Lord truly see your heart. And what are your limitations? But the truth is, is that the scripture says that when Jesus reached the spot that he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down, for I will be with you today. And I imagine, what if Zacchaeus didn't get into position? If Zacchaeus didn't run ahead, if Zacchaeus didn't climb that tree so he could see who Jesus was, when Jesus reached that point and looked up, he would have seen nothing. And Zacchaeus would have missed it. So I think it's important for us to know is that not only did Zacchaeus truly want to see who Jesus was, but he got in position to see him. Lastly, after he got in position, Jesus called him by name. And we can learn from Zacchaeus is he welcomed Jesus. So not only did he want to see who he truly was, he got into position. And lastly, what we can learn from him is that he welcomed Jesus. And it's important to look at not just the fact, yes or no, did Zacchaeus welcome Christ in? It was how he welcomed him in. Look at verse six with me. It says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So he responded in two ways. First and foremost, he responded immediately. It says he came down at once. The word there, when Jesus calls Zacchaeus, he says, make haste. The, the word is literally spudo. It's to make haste. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down right now because I want to be with you. And the word is repeated there in verse 6. So he came down. So Zacchaeus made haste and came down. It was immediate that he did that. And I am one that really encourages people to be patient with their faith. And I believe in the process of seeking but I do want to encourage you to not drag your feet and to think about how you respond to Christ. As we have that tendency to think, man, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to weigh the pros and cons. I'm going to do my nice, safe, upper middle class way of solving or doing anything. But that wasn't what Jesus asked of Zacchaeus, and that wasn't how Zacchaeus responded. He responded with haste. And God calls us as Christ followers to be people of haste. 
And that doesn't mean out of fear. It doesn't mean out of panic. It's a, it's a haste out of the, 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 the heart of being excited and anticipating the coming Christ. Peter writes this in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? This is, this is Peter writing to the followers of Jesus Christ. He says, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming and with haste anticipate that coming day. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. And now I'm not hellfire and brimstone in you this morning, but I want you to know that we are called as Christ followers to be people of haste, that we are to be called to take action when the Lord calls us by name. And this is different than the spirit of like, if you're, luckily you're not rushing out of the house on Sunday morning. So if any blessing came out of this, it is, we've eliminated arguments between husband and spouse, forcing kids in the car, trying to get to church on time. And they, you know, we've been there. We're like, I don't care what shoes you have on flip flops. It does just get in the car and smile when we go into church and we're going to be running late and trying to rush the kids in. It's not that kind of haste that Jesus is urging Zacchaeus. But it's this haste of eagerness and anticipation for something good. And so first and foremost, he responds with haste. Second way he responds and he welcomes Jesus in is he responds with joy. He responds with joy. It says, so he came down at once with haste, spudo, and he welcomed him glad, gladly. Your scripture and your translation may say joyfully. But he welcomed him immediately and he welcomed him with joy. Uh, and he invited Jesus Christ into his home. And so I wanted you to imagine you like inviting someone begrudgingly into your home. It wasn't like Zacchaeus, you know, Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come and hang out with you today. Zacchaeus is like, well, fine. I mean, you know, I haven't vacuumed or cleaned up, but I guess that's okay. Sure. All right. Yeah, we can see what we've got. It wasn't begrudgingly, hey, come on in. Yeah, grab a chair. That wasn't how he invited him into his home right? He welcomed him joyfully. It's like if you ever watch Seinfeld, that's my new, since we no longer have Netflix and I watch The Office 24-7, so now I watch Seinfeld on Hulu 24-7. It's like when Jerry says, hello, Newman, as Newman comes into Jerry's house. That, that wasn't the spirit with which Zacchaeus invited Jesus into his home, but he invited him home in joy. And so Jesus never and this is, this is truth about you, and I don't know if you are listening right now, you're there, and the Lord is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He's calling you by name and he's asking to come in. Jesus does not barge into our lives. He does not come in and boom, kick the door down and force his way in. Or, you know, we have the lock and we open it up and he's like at the door, let me in, let me in. He patiently waits for us not to invite him in begrudgingly, but to invite him in as a guest. Jesus is always a guest and never an intruder. Man, and that is the kindness and goodness and the free will that we have to choose Christ. He's always a guest in our hearts, never an intruder. There's a painting here, and we'll put it up on screen. Um, and, and if you know anything about me, I love art. I'm not an artistic person, um, but I do love art. In my senior year in high school, I was president of the art club, Orangefield High School, 2001. You can look it up. You can ask Miss Wyndham. Maybe she's watching. I think I am friends with her on Facebook. And so I was president of the art club. I love and appreciate art. And so the, I mean, we're going to put up this painting. It's called The Light of the World. And I love this painting here. And it's, it's a painting done by William Holland Hunt. He painted this 
1853, and he's replicated this painting um, many times over, but this is the original painting that you're seeing right now, and it's called The Light of the World because you see Jesus there, and he's standing at the door, and he's carrying a lamp, and it's, a, it's an ode and a reminder that Jesus says that he is the light of the world, that he claims that in, in, the, in the Gospel of John. And he's standing at a door and he's knocking. If you look at that door, it's a door that's it's covered with vines and shrubs. And there's one thing that you notice is not on that door. Is there is no door handle on the outside. There's no door handle on the outside of that door. The door can only be opened by the inside. And that's an ode to Revelations chapter 3 verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's exactly what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. Jesus called him by name, just like the good shepherd calls his sheep by name. He was invited in immediately and joyfully into his home. And he came into the heart and he broke bread and he ate with Zacchaeus. And this scripture closes with verse 10 by saying, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And as we close this morning, I just want to encourage you like never before to just take a moment and to consider the Lord knocking at the door of your own heart. If you are listening, if you are watching, if you are viewing this right now, I want you to consider that the gentleness of the Lord, I want you to think, what did he see in Zacchaeus that he sees in me? He didn't see a man that was perfect. He didn't see a man that was without fault. He didn't see a man that had it all together. He didn't see a man with a great reputation. He didn't go around town and say, who is the most famous person here? I must stay at their house. Is but he looked up in that tree and he saw the heart of Zacchaeus, a man that wanted to know who Jesus truly was, that wasn't there just to watch a show, that wasn't there just to be an observer. He wasn't there just to be a, a, as a, a pastor that I love to listen to calls a pew potato. He wasn't there just to be a pew potato, but he truly desired to see who Christ was. He saw a man that got into position that he wasn't going to miss it. Zacchaeus moved into the path of Jesus. He ran ahead. He climbed a tree so he would be ready when Jesus came by. And then he saw a man, what he saw in Zacchaeus was a person that welcomed Jesus immediately and joyfully into his hearts. There are a lot of things that are going on in the world right now. There's a lot of reason and circumstances that cause fear and worry. And I believe that it is causing the world as a whole to lift their eyes, to, to stop looking down at the world and consuming the lie and the filth and the death that the world has to offer. And they are lifting their eyes. And I want to encourage you to consider the Lord, to consider the Lord knocking at your own heart for the first time, maybe in a long time, to open up to that. And if you say, man, I am saved and I love Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. And every day I lay down my life and I pick up my cross, then I want you to take hold of that application point that we started with to invite someone to participate in church at home. I want you to know that the vessel and our leadership team and our staff and, and, and everyone, all of our leaders are doing everything we can to shepherd our church well during this. But church, I believe we have an opportunity 
like never before, I believe we have an opportunity to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known in our lives and in the world. And I believe that the world is paying attention. Let me pray. Uh, and our worship team has another song that they're going to close out for us. So thank you so much for joining this morning. So let's bow our heads right there where you are in your home. And as we open this prayer, I just want to encourage you, if the Lord is there and you are ready and you are wanting to take a step, that, that you can message us. I'll put contact information right now into our live feed. Someone that you can get a hold of, a pastor, a leader, an elder that you can get a hold of and talk to about what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. If you are there right now and you are struggling and trapped in addiction, and as Serena said, you, you, you can't live with it and you can't live without it and you're at the, you're at the jumping off point, man, please don't hesitate. Take the opportunity today. Get into position to see Christ and let us know. I can connect you with Serena and I know she would be glad to get you in touch with the right people. So right now, where you are, I just want to take a moment of, of just silence and quiet as we close out this morning. Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Zacchaeus for the story that's recorded in 10 short verses of Luke that show us a glimpse of how you see us. God, I thank you that you said to him, today salvation has come on this home. God, I pray and I thank you that you offer salvation freely without condition, God, that you stand at the door of our hearts and you knock waiting to be invited in as a guest. And it's love that gives freedom from sin, God, that gives freedom from our pride, that gives freedom from our world, that gives purpose, that gives value, that gives hope, that gives peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. That even when the world is chaotic and full of fear and full of chaos, that your presence and you being invited into our hearts, it's the presence of the Prince of Peace so I just pray light right now, Lord, as we finish up this morning, as the worship team closes, that you invite us to take a look at who you are. God, that you stir and you call people by name right now. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.